Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. It's lovely to have you with us. We do hope that you will feel welcome here. As Unitarian Universalists, we are bound together not by a common set of beliefs, but by our promise to support one another in our individual searches for truth and meaning, guided by our principles and drawn by many sources, including Buddhism, which we're exploring this month in some depth. We do hope that you feel welcome here, whatever you believe or don't believe, whomever you love, however you understand the idea of family, whatever your age or your race or your ability, you are welcome here. We invite you to join us in a journey of free thought, spiritual questing, and justice making, for as long as you feel comfortable doing so. We extend a special welcome to any visitors who might be here this morning. We invite you to join us after the service for coffee and conversation. We gather with gratitude this morning on traditional Cree lands, now part of Treaty 6 and shared by many nations. We respect the histories, languages, and cultures of the indigenous peoples who have called this land home and who enrich our vibrant community. The opening words by William F. Schultz, former president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, come into this place of peace and let its silence heal your spirit. Come into this place of memory and let its history warm your soul. Come into this place of prophecy and power and let its vision change your heart. It would not be too grand an overstatement to say that Buddhism came to North America because of Unitarians. It would be a bit of an overstatement, of course, but not too much of one. The first Buddhists on this continent, no doubt, were among the Asian fishermen and imported railway laborers who brought their religious traditions to the West Coast and across the nation. By and large, those traditions remained within their community, however, something deeply mysterious and perplexing to the Western Christians that employed them and exploited them, but who seldom stopped to learn very much about them. It wasn't until 1844, in fact, that the first English translation of a Buddhist text was published. The American writer Elizabeth Palmer Peabody had it printed in Dial magazine. Now, this was a publication of well-placed group of Boston Unitarians called the Transcendentalists. This group was challenging the highly intellectualized approach to religion being taught at Harvard. It was a thinking religion back then. And they believed that true spirituality was available through intuition and an appreciation of nature, as you heard in the last hymn. They were creedless, distanced from old notions of the biblical God, and willing to celebrate the beauty of life. And of course, Emerson is called the father of transcendentalism. Now, I'm sure many of you realize that these ideas paralleled some of the concepts that are at the core of Buddhism. Peabody's translation of a chapter of the Sadharama Pundankarika was in the first in Western literature and was welcomed by the transcendentalists. 
But the Reverend James Ishmael Ford, a contemporary of ours, wrote in one of his books on Buddhism and Unitarianism, since that time, Unitarians and now Unitarian Universalists have continued to find Buddhism intriguing. At the beginning, this interest was romantic and generally ill-informed. But over the years, both interest and knowledge have deepened and broadened. Now, mainstream Unitarianism in the 19th century was still very Christian in form and belief. People generally believed in a God, but only with a fully human Jesus. Sermons might extol the wondrous value of human reason and human ability. People did not expect God to reward or punish them, but God was still there even if he wasn't a being in the traditional sense. Worship still featured prayers and hymns like Longfellow's God of the Earth, the Sky, the Sea. And it's an interesting hymn because it speaks of a creator God, the one who sort of kicked everything off, but not as some distant external being. Instead, God is seen as a uniting force of nature. Quote, Creation lives and moves in you. Your present life through all does flow. Close quote. Still, that's a lot of God talk by today's Unitarian Universalist standards and probably the reason why we've only sung that hymn twice in 12 years. But to put it in a wider Christian context, that idea of God in all things was a very progressive idea in the 1840s. So Unitarianism was opening itself to a much broader idea of the divine. And into that climate, Elizabeth Peabody introduced the first Buddhist text. It quickly caught the eyes of liberal theologians within Unitarianism and without. Buddhism's essential godlessness made exploration easier because there was nothing for Christians to reject. For them, it was just kind of a way of thinking about things without causing belief or creed to be upset. So instead, they could simply explore this tantalizing new form of spiritual practice. 19th century Unitarians could maintain their relationship with the creator God they understood and still draw support from Buddhist practices, which doesn't much care one way or another about the divine. There was no tension, no disconnect. Ford called the early interest romantic and ill-informed, but he noted, for example, how in the 19th century, the Unitarian writer Lydia Maria Child described the Buddha incorrectly as a heavenly spirit. Says Ford dryly, most Buddhists would not choose this term. The Buddha was a man who achieved enlightenment, but he was still entirely a man. And there was no dispute about that. Now, secondly, Buddhism became attractive because it was so self-contained. Although the Buddha did believe in the importance of a monkish community called the Sangha, the priests did not have the same moral or institutional authority as Western clergy did. And remember, this is a time when Western clergy still got to tell you what to think. We don't do that anymore. Well, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Other people might try, but we don't do that. The idea of a single minister tending a lay flock is foreign to Buddhism. Priests might be teachers, 
but they were not the moral deciders of right and wrong. At the end of the day, each person's quest for enlightenment remained deeply personal. So, Unitarians found that attractive and in line with their own goals and philosophies. And the transcendentalist Ralph Waldo Emerson spoke of the oversoul. You can find that reading in our hymn book. He described a kind of a, a river of energy that flowed above us that each of us was free to connect with in our own way. Um, in my own tasteless humor, I actually, my, my best visual description of it is, you know the bumper cars at amusement parks? You know how they have that electric wiring all going through the top and each car connects individually and separately through that little bippy that touches the top of it? That's how I think of the oversoul. Each one of us, all we have to do is reach up and we can connect with it as we see fit. Well, the Buddhist concept of meditation as a path to this enlightened consciousness is similar enough that Unitarians found, if not a common cause, at least a fellow traveler. And we still like that idea. We don't much like people telling us what we have to believe. We would rather figure it out for ourselves. The lack of dogma is attractive to many in this church, As the famous bumper sticker says, my karma ran over my dogma. (laughs) At the same time, Buddhism describes an inward journey. There was no ritual in early Buddhism, though as we saw last week, ritual and magic crept back in some forms over the centuries. But the transcendentalists loved this inward journey aspect. Their sense of connection to the divine most often came in their encounters individually and alone in the natural world. As an example, I offered our second hymn, Emerson's We Sing of Golden Mornings. And that aspect is still pretty predominant in our church. When I ask people today, both Unitarian and not, to describe their peak spiritual moments, and I suspect this happened in our conversation, They most often describe intense feelings of connection to nature and the wild. According to James Ford, there was one other early connection as well. In the 1930s and beyond, humanism, a strictly rational and mostly atheistic philosophy, developed within Unitarianism and became an important force. And it remains a significant influence today. Humanists also found an attractive connection to Buddhism. They were drawn by an ancient faith that did not depend on a god. The Unitarian humanist Richard Romick wrote in Reasonable Religion, even though the Buddha believed life's highest goal is to break the cycle of birth and rebirth and ends one's existence, parentheses, that may sound bewildering and pessimistic to a Westerner, Many of his teachings and proverbs hold a rich meaning for us. For example, the Buddha said, All that we are is a result of what we have thought. It is founded on our thoughts and made up of our thoughts. Now, humanists tend to hold that we can only rely on ourselves and our fellow human beings. And our development, our fulfillment of potential rests on us alone. Their interpreting of we are the result of what we thought in a very Western way matches well with the humanist views on intellect 
I'm not sure that Buddha would strictly agree with the interpretation, but it brings a connection. Now, by the 1950s, Unitarians were developing a more grounded and realistic understanding of Buddhism. There was much more literature to consider. There were courses being taught. And in fact, one of my teachers, George Marshall, wrote one of the most prominent Western biographies at the time called Buddha, The Quest for Serenity. It was a very accessible, still a very good book to read. Now, today, about 2% of our co-religionists in North America list Buddhism as their primary spiritual influence. However, a visit to the UU Buddhist website leads me to conclude that a whole lot more of us consider Buddhism indirectly as a spiritual influence in our lives. And I suspect that's because our faith has no definable spiritual practice of its own. And some people need and hunger for a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline. We have, over the years, borrowed from various traditions, often adapting them to our own uses. We need to look no further than our hymn book. There you can find music from Hindu, Islamic, Jewish, Christian, and Buddhist traditions. We find words celebrating First Nations, Hispanic, and African-American traditions. How does Buddhism touch us today? Many UU churches use Buddhist chimes or gongs or singing bowls in introducing a period of silent meditation into worship. In fact, our North American worship features silence at least as much as we offer prayers, and sometimes we do both in the same ritual. Although not explicit about it, our principles, our seven principles, reflect much of the eightfold path of the Buddha, for we too lift up the values of right thought, right speech, right livelihood. Indeed, the whole concept of living holistically that our principles points to parallels Buddhism very closely. Like the Buddha, we value rational thought and moral living. We spend little time worrying about God or magical ritual. And in the end, we seem to follow his final words, quote, work out your own salvation with diligence. But here's an interesting note. James Ford also points out that Unitarian Universalists have become an attractive alternative for Western Buddhists who need something more than what the Sangha has to offer. And number one on that list is religious education for their children. He writes, Many Buddhist centers do not have religious education programs, lack of resources, lack of priority, lack of parents and leadership. Ford recounts how one prominent Buddhist leader in the United States actually recommends UU churches to parents seeking religious education for their children. The second is our humanist tradition. The West is a rational place, sometimes too much so. But let us be careful not to throw out the good with the bad. Humanism has taught us to attend to science to accept the physical realities of our world and the laws of nature. Reality is not, in fact, an illusion. There are ways of developing and maintaining physical well-being and reducing human suffering that are based on science, on research, and on technology. We have the ability to grow the soul with art and music. And all of these are gifts humanism has helped us to recognize and appreciate. 
Western Buddhists have grown up with an appreciation of reason and science. And Unitarian Universalism is a place where they can acknowledge that cultural root and yet be free to practice their Buddhist spiritual practices. As I offered last week, the illusion that Buddhism encourages us to renounce reality has more to do, I think, with values issues like greed and lust for power and the desire for the next best thing or the bigger house and such, more than suggesting that floors and walls are not actually here. And perhaps that's what the Buddha meant, and perhaps not. I'm not an expert. But it's a far easier way for humans, for Western humans, to understand this idea of dukkha, or suffering, that our our suffering and pain comes from longing for things that are really kind of cosmically unimportant. Now, the third point of connection is our social justice tradition. Economic, environmental, and racial justice are often concerns for Buddhists. Continuing concern for exile of the Dalai Lama from Tibet is an example. The protests and suppression of Buddhism in Myanmar is another. Unitarian Universalists have a long tradition of pursuing social justice. It is enshrined in four of our principles where we affirm justice, equity, and compassion. Secondly, lift up the pursuit of the democratic process. Thirdly, advocate for global community. And finally, note our participation and inclusion in the interdependent web of all existence. In Buddhism is often seen as distance from the world, but our justice-seeking history is attractive for Western Buddhists unwilling to sit completely on the sidelines. All this suggests some Western Buddhists are attracted to Unitarianism because it allows them to remain connected to their culture. North Americans are the products of a system of thoughts and values that's part Christian, part humanist. It's capitalistic, and yet it's still tinged with the optimism of the Enlightenment. And these forces shape our social structures and realities in North America. And Buddhism brings into that a deeply powerful personal spiritual practice, but one that comes from another culture foreign to us. For many, Unitarian Universalism provides a comfortable balance of Eastern spirituality and Western idealism. And I believe that the friendly relations begun 150 years ago are going to continue for some time to come. Thank you. These words by Tilini Aryachandra. As we gather here today in friendship and community, taking a moment out of our busy lives to learn, share, and reflect on insights, experiences, and the wisdom of others, we are reminded of how blessed we all are. In the current world around us, there are many who suffer and face grave challenges. We stand in solidarity with them, in compassion, and by practicing loving-kindness to ourselves and all those around us. Taking a couple of stanzas from metta or compassion meditation, let us engage in the power of prayer that connects us, irrespective of religion, with our beliefs and ideals more deeply helping us to hold them in our minds as we go about our daily business. May we all be well, happy, and peaceful. 
may no harm come to us. May we also have patience, courage, understanding, and determination to meet and overcome inevitable difficulties, problems, and failures in life. May our parents, our teachers and mentors, our friends, and may all living beings across the world be well, happy, and peaceful. May no harm come to them. May they also have patience, courage, understanding, and determination to meet and overcome inevitable difficulties, problems, and failures in life. Our chalice is extinguished, but its light carries on in each one of you. So carry it with you as you leave this place and share it with those you know, with those you love, and with those you've yet to meet to try and help everyone be well.